The Bible reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, reading from chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening again. Look, I wonder if uh, you have ever asked yourself this question before. What's the point of work? Uh, Perhaps after a particularly challenging day, uh, you might have got home at the end of it all or shut the laptop lid and and thought to yourself, what is the point of it all? Or perhaps to frame it another way, what motivates you to get up each day and head off into another day of labour? What drives you to, to get up and get out of bed and do it all over again? Uh, A friend of mine uh, was asking this exact question on his social media on Friday just last week. Uh, He posted a photo of himself standing at a wet railway station and underneath was the caption, what keeps you going on a wet Friday morning? The most common response that people gave, coffee. And look, that's not a bad answer to be honest. Sometimes that is uh, uh, what's needed to get us going at the start of the day. Look, I, um, I really appreciate this invitation from, from Natalie and from St. Jude to, to join you uh, for this two-part series on work on what is, I think, a really critical topic for us to spend time reflecting on. Um, like Nat said last Sunday, uh, I too, when I speak about work this evening, am not simply talking about those tasks that we might do that we're remunerated for, uh, paid employment. Uh, In God's economy, work is is so much bigger than that. Work takes in all of that unpaid labour that we might do, the the work that we might do around the home, uh, work that we might do in voluntary service with a a local community group or a sporting organisation, the work of caring for children or ageing or unwell relatives. Uh, the work that we might do as students. All of that is work in God's economy. And when you have a big vision of work like that, you recognise why it is so important for us to think about, and in particular to think about how do we integrate our Christian faith 
with this massive part of our life, both the paid labour we do but also the unpaid labour that fills countless hours as well too. And so that is what we're going to spend a few moments together this evening doing, considering how do I integrate my Christian faith with my daily labour? How does Sunday connect with this time tomorrow, with Monday? Now, Natalie sent me a number of questions that she wanted me to consider about work in this sermon, questions like, how do I discern what work I should do? Or how do I actually do my work in a way that's distinctively Christian? Or who am I at work as a Christian? Uh, The what, uh, how and who questions of work, all very significant questions which have real practical implications for the day-to-day work that we might do. But above those questions, arching over them in many ways, I think there's a, there's a prior question that we need to answer. And that when we answer that question, it enables us to integrate our Christian faith with our work and makes answering those questions of what, how and who uh, so much easier. And that question is, why? What's the point of work? Is there something more than coffee to motivate me, to drive me out of bed each day and into another day of labour? And as good as coffee is, the answer is yes, there is a far more powerful motivating factor. In fact, a distinctly Christian motivation for our work, which is the key to us connecting our Christian faith with our work. Now we'll come to what that distinctly Christian motivation is in just a moment, but before we do, I want us to just spend a few moments thinking about what are some of the other things that might be motivating people today in driving them into their work. I think this is helpful for us to do for a few reasons, because firstly, as we seek to engage with the world around us, our colleagues, our peers, it's important to know what are the desires, uh, the motivations, the purposes that are driving them. But equally, for ourselves, it's important to think about, well, to what degree are these purposes or motivations also shaping and and driving me? And look, I like to summarise these motivations under five broad headings coming up there on the screen for you now. What's the point of work? Well, firstly, the point for many is finances. That is, I work to live. Work is not the end in itself. It's It's a means to an end enabling me to earn the income in order to have the the pleasures and the life that I want to have outside of that work. You know, when you ask someone what the point of their work is, often it's the first reason they give, isn't it? I need to do it to pay the bills. So finances. But secondly, the point of work for many is fulfilment. So if finances is I work to live, fulfilment is I live to work. Work is where I will find you know, personal fulfilment and satisfaction and meaning through the things that I might achieve or accomplish. A recent popular book about work illustrates this perfectly. It's titled, you can see it there, How to Find Fulfilling Work. Not how to find work that pays well, but fulfilment is what many people are pursuing and chasing after in their daily labour. What's the point of work? Well, finances, fulfilment, or perhaps thirdly for many, fame. In some ways this is a particular outworking of of fulfilment, 
That is, I want to make a name for myself. I want to be known as the best in my industry, the best in my field. Building a reputation for myself where I am known and admired for my skills and my professional skills. For me, I mentioned that my work background was in radio journalism and this was the particular driving motivation for many of my colleagues and myself included, I'll admit, at times. Uh, the pay wasn't great. There were far better paying jobs than, than journalism. The, the shift work hours were terrible. So fame was something that was driving many of them. The opportunity to perhaps be heard on the radio or seen on the TV or your name on the newspaper byline. But in every profession, there are opportunities to be driven by this goal of being known as the best in my field. So we've got finances, fulfilment, fame, and fourthly, family. Now my friends from an Asian background tell me that this is particularly true in their context, where a person's identity is far more corporate, and so a family's value and worth is measured by the success of its members corporately. And so pressure can be put on children to perform and achieve certain career success. These children being driven not necessarily by their own personal goals or fulfilment, but rather the, the goal of pleasing family. Now, of course, this can be true of people from any cultural background to, to varying degrees, but it's particularly prominent in those cultures where there is a more corporate identity and sense of self. Well, finally, what's the point of work? Well, for many, another fifth and final one is force. Well, perhaps a better way to do this is to speak of it as power or control or, or influence, uh, but that would ruin the alliteration I've got going there at this point. And this is the idea that I want to move up the rung in such a way that I reach positions where I can shape and influence and have more power and authority and control over the way things are done around here. I think this increasingly becomes something which drives people further on in their working life, reaching a point where we think to ourselves, you know, settling for middle management is, is not enough. I need to go a few more rungs higher up the ladder before I reach retirement. Well, there you go, five common answers given to the question of what is the point of work? Finances, fulfilment, fame, family and force. Now, it's important to acknowledge about these that in some of them, many of them, there are elements of truth and good things about them. Uh, for example, Ephesians 4 talks about the importance of having work in order to make finances so that you can care for yourself and care for the needs of others. Similarly, uh, it can be good to be in positions of influence if we're using that influence for the good of others. But the danger with these five is that what commonly occurs with them is that these purposes, which can have elements of good about them, become the ultimate driving factor and motivating factor for someone when it comes to their daily labour. These things are pursued above all else, irrespective of the cost to even and certainly those who are around who might get in the way of me achieving and accomplishing these things through my work. And when they take on this sort of life, they inevitably take on an inward selfish orientation to them. 
They become about what can I gain out of my work for me? Now at this point, hopefully you'd realise that such a, a motivation for work is profoundly at odds with the Christian faith, isn't it? But not only is it at odds with the Christian faith, I think when any of these become the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose driving me in my daily labour, work will forever remain ultimately unfulfilling, frustrating and dissatisfying for the person who is pursuing these things ultimately. Because we know deep down, don't we, that we never can quite attain them. We never quite get to that point where we say, I've got enough finances now. I've got enough notoriety and reputation. I've got enough influence and power. No, they're like, as the book of Ecclesiastes says, a, a, a chasing after the wind is chasing after these, these kind of goals. They're ultimately unattainable to get them in such a way that they will satisfy us and fulfil us. But when our work becomes something about something bigger than what can I gain out of it for myself, I actually think it becomes more exciting, more stimulating, more enjoyable, but most importantly, God-honouring. And so what is that something bigger, that primary motivation that should be driving us as Christians in our daily labour? Well, here it is. It's one word, love. What's the point of work? Love. Specifically, love of God and love of neighbour. Not an inward orientation of what can I gain out of it for myself, but an outward orientation of how can I serve and bless and love others through my work. When love becomes our primary motivating factor for work, that is the key to connecting our Christian faith with our daily labour. And Natalie actually mentioned this in her third point last Sunday, a new reason for work. Love as the purpose for work. And so really I just want to spend a few more moments now just fleshing this out a little bit more and show how this why is the, the key to integrating our faith and work and also paves the way for us to address those nitty-gritty questions of who am I, how do I go about it, what do I do? But firstly, some, some, some biblical uh, evidence, if you like, to furnish this claim that I've just made. Why is love the ultimate purpose of work? Well, the simple answer is because throughout Scripture we see it being the primary motivating factor for God in why he works. And as people made in his image and redeemed in Christ, so too it becomes our purpose as well. Let me show you uh, this from a few uh, verses in Scripture now, starting with God. Why, do, why does God work? Well, first of all, he works to glorify himself. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 1, a well-known verse. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. God's work, particularly here his work in creation, cries out to us how great thou art. Or the Apostle Paul, in the uh, first chapter of Romans, verse 20, Paul says, how have we seen what is invisible, namely the invisible qualities of God, his eternal power and his, his divine nature? How have we seen these invisible aspects of who God is? And Paul says, 
Well, we've seen it through what God has made. His work. God's work reveals to us his glory. But there's a second reason for God's work and that is this other aspect of love and that is to serve the needs of others. I love this verse from Psalm 104. God waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. As God abundantly cares for his creation, he provides for us through it. And so we are served and blessed and satisfied, as the psalmist says, by his work. But of course, we see this loving outward orientation of God in his work, most clearly in his greatest work, namely the work of Christ on the cross. That verse that we had read for us just a moment ago, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give, there's that outward orientation, give his life as a ransom for many. Indeed, the cross is the ultimate work of God which demonstrates and displays these two aspects of the purpose of work for God. Because at the cross, that is the greatest work of God which demonstrates his glory to us, isn't it? But also at the cross, that is the greatest work of God where he satisfies the needs of others. Namely, our greatest need of forgiveness from sin. At the cross, the greatest work of God, we see God at his most glorious and God at his most giving to others. And so too it is to be for our work, for those of us who are in Christ. What's the point of work for those in Christ? Well, it is we seek to glorify God through our labour and satisfy the needs of others. Or to put it another way, love God and love neighbour. Work as love. Well, what are the uh, implications of all this for us then? Getting practical? Well, I like to uh, think about love and work in three key ways. That is that we love through the work itself, We are people who love in our work and we love with the fruit of our labour. So let me explain each of those briefly. Uh, Firstly, we love through our very work itself. Now, when you design or build a road and uh, it functions as it should, it's safe, it's easy to navigate, then those who come along and drive on it down the track are being loved by your labour, which was done well for the benefit of others. Or or when you provide financial advice to someone and you enable them to wisely steward their money and perhaps even be generous with it, then you're loving them. Or, Or when you take complex ideas as a teacher and you seek to bring them together in a way that is coherent and clear and understandable, and you, and you do that hard labour of trying to bring complex ideas together like that for your students, well, you are, you're loving them at that point. 
Or as a musician, when you take sound and you bring it together in a way that it provides joy and beauty and pleasure to a person, well, you're loving them through that work and so on and so on. Here's the key statement in many ways. In all of our daily labour, every act, every task, every duty that we undertake, we have opportunities to love people through the very work itself that we do. And you know what? We may never know all of the recipients of our love through our work. I mean, do you know the person who built the chair that you're sitting on tonight? Chances are you don't. If anyone does, I'd love you to tell me afterwards. But but you are being loved by their work now, aren't you? As you sit on a comfortable chair and it holds you up safely. Timothy Keller captures uh, what I'm speaking about here wonderfully well, this, this reorienting and just the profound difference it can have on us as well too and our approach to work when we take an outward orientation to it. Listen to what he writes. He says, If the point of work is to serve and exalt ourselves, that's to gain something out of work for me, well then our work inevitably becomes less about the work and more about us. Our aggressiveness will eventually become abuse, our drive will become burnout, our self-sufficiency will become self-loathing. Perhaps you see something of uh, yourself in that. I know I do. But Keller goes on. If the purpose, though, of our work is to serve and excel something beyond ourselves, that is, that outward orientation, well, then we actually have a better reason to deploy our talent, our ambition and our entrepreneurial vigour. When work becomes about loving others, then we are freed from the tremendous burden it can be to pursue finances, fulfilment, fame, family force through our work. It's burdensome chasing after these things. But the gospel frees us from that. We're freed instead to creatively enjoy exploring how does my work love other people? And how can I do it all the more? It's wonderfully liberating to connect our Christian faith with our daily labour. So firstly, we love through our work. And I have laboured that one the most because I think it's the one that we're least good at thinking about. The other two, just very quickly, I'll skate across. Loving in our work, something we're far more familiar with. Being the kind of person who is like Christ in the way that we interact and deal with others, having that servant-heartedness that Christ has. And there are so many examples of what this can look like. Here's one, just brief one. Often think of Christ as someone who is a, a burden lifter in his work. He lifts the burden of us, off of us of, of sin, most significantly. And so I think as a Christian person who's seeking to love in our work, a question to ask is, what burdens can I see that my colleagues are presently under at the moment? Or my manager is under at the moment? Or my staff are under at the moment? What can I do within my means to be able to seek to lift something of that burden off them? Or perhaps you're in a position of leadership in the workplace, then loving will look not like lording it over others, as we just heard a moment ago in Mark 10, but rather using our authority to serve. I love this quote. Do you have big ambitions for yourself 
or big aspirations for the people on your team. You see how that's just a total flipping of orientation of purpose on its head there, isn't it? Not the ambitions for self, but the aspirations for team. Well, finally, we love through, we love in, and we love with the fruit of our work. The all work inevitably produces something, whether it's uh, the things that we might make in our labour or the money that we're remunerated with. And with that fruit, we are also to love others with it. I mentioned Ephesians 4 a moment ago. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. We're to steward the fruit of our work first and foremost for the betterment of others. And that will mean, in part, ensuring our own needs are met so that we're not needing to be dependent upon others. But, of course, using the fruit of our work, as the Apostle Paul says there, to share with those in need. Well, at this point you might be saying, okay, Andrew, you said work was about love. Uh, kind of a twofold expression of it, loving God and loving neighbour. You've, you've, you've unpacked, I guess, something of what loving neighbour looks like through and in and with work, but what about the, the loving God part of it? Well, there's a lot that we could say about that, but let me just make this point briefly. That so often it is the case that as we love our neighbour, so we are loving God and glorifying him in how we go about our work. That is, as we, as we seek to love others through our work and make known to them the motivation for this outward orientation where we take the opportunities to speak and explain that, that I'm a person of faith, this is how Christ acts towards me and so I want to be that kind of person as we make that connection in the minds of those that we might interact with and work with. So God is honoured and glorified and loved through our work as we are people of selfless sacrifice and loving others in our daily labour. Well, how does all of this then address those nitty-gritty questions that I mentioned earlier? The, the what, how and who questions. These are the real questions that where the rubber really hits the road, isn't it? Well, do you see how when you've integrated your faith and your work in such a way that love is the primary purpose for you, the primary motivating factor, it becomes a whole lot easier to answer those questions. For example, what work should I do? Well, with the, the skills, the opportunities, the passions that God has given me, how can I take all of them and find a place where I can expend them to do the most loving of others? Or how should I do my work? Well, in each task, in each interaction, in each request, you ask yourself, what would it mean to respond in this moment with an outward loving orientation rather than a selfless inward orientation that is ultimately about benefiting me? Before you send that email or fill out that spreadsheet or wash up that dish, or, or whatever the task might be. Uh, taking a moment to think, how do I do this where the other person is my greater priority than my own betterment? Well, finally, who am I as a Christian? 
Well, I am a child of God. I am loved by him. And in Christ, I have every spiritual blessing. And so I am freed from the burden of needing to go out there to try and chase all of these things. Fame, finances, fulfilment, whatever it is. I'm freed from that burden of needing to prove myself and gain things for myself when I've already got it all in Christ. And so who am I now in my work? Well, I am a lover of others. And brothers and sisters, as we take that attitude into our work, I am persuaded that it is not only good for ourselves, certainly good for those who are the beneficiaries of our work and who we may interact with, but ultimately God is honoured and glorified through labouring in that way. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ's incredible love to us seen most extravagantly in the cross. That amazing act of service where he demonstrates so powerfully how glorious you are. And Lord, may that be an inspiration and a model to us of the kind of people you would have us to be. Forgive us for the times when all of us, myself included, pursue selfish gain for ourselves through our labour. Increasingly by your spirit, enable us to have that desire to be people who serve and love and give for the good of others and ultimately for your glory. Grant us wisdom to know just what that will look like in the nitty-gritty situations that we find ourselves in each day. Amen.